1: Welcome back to Winning Romance, your favorite place to talk about romance, I hope. Um, I am Jess
0: and Trisha's. And I'm Trisha. Sorry, I didn't know (laughs) that was. (laughs) Oh man, you caught me like mid water sip. But anyway, I'm Trisha. I'm here and I'm well hydrated. Yay! Yay! All right, so we've got got some stuff to talk about. We have so much stuff. It uh, It is International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day, everyone. Um, We have a lot of stuff, a lot more things that are more more than that, Um, but we are uh, going to start actually with something that is very fun and actually uh, hits home for me, which is our first ad spot. Uh, We are sponsored today by The Sweet Spot by Heather Hayford. Uh, Here is what I love about this ad spot. It is a collection of all of the things that I know and love best, the Pacific Northwest, Wine and books. Ooh. The sweet spot, yeah, because this, the so this book, um, it is a book that takes place in Oregon wine country. I'm actually from the great state of Washington, but I've definitely spent some time also in Oregon. Uh, and the sweet spot is the first book in the Willamette Valley romance series. The good people um, who sent us this ad spot were kind enough to tell us how to pronounce Willamette. But I already know because I've been there and I've spent some time. I'm actually very good at pronouncing things from the Northwest. So if anyone ever needs help. Let me know. I can help you out. We'll figure it out. Uh, so if you are looking for say, a sweet and sexy romance to enjoy with your favorite red, white, or bubbly, you will find the perfect pairing with The Sweet Spot, which is the first book in Heather Hafer's new wine-themed Willamette Valley romance series. It's set among uh, amidst the lush vineyards of Oregon's famed Ribbon Ridge wine region. Um, and it features a winemaker with a tragic past who falls for a charming music teacher working at his winery for the summer but he gets a tempting opportunity to leave the vineyard and something about the down to earth visitor makes him question his plans what i, I don't know jess is uh is he going to stay is he going to go mm-hmm. um they they um they include the the line in the ad spot will love blossom from the terroir which is, uh, it's a very intimidating wine term. <laughs> they included the pronunciation guide on that too. I love an ad spot where you really have to work for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, which the terroir is, um, it's like the, so I lived in a place called Walla Walla, Washington for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means many waters. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful area. There's a lot of wine there and there's not a lot else there. Mm. So you can, you can learn a lot about wine. Uh, so I, I've, I've consumed a fair amount of, of Washington and Oregon wine. Oh, actually, here's a fun fact for anyone, the next time you are um, consuming wine with your friends, hopefully it is from Washington or Oregon, hopefully you are also reading The Sweet Spot or, or maybe the next book in Heather's series, who knows, but here's a fun fact. People think of Washington and Oregon as being essentially the same. The wine from the two states is actually very different because Oregon wine is grown on the west side of the Cascade Mountains, mostly. Washington wine is grown on the east side and the east side is drier and hotter. So you'll get more of like your Syrah, your Merlot. The west side, uh, you'll get more of like your Pinot Noir. So uh, anyway, that like that's a fun trivia to take to your next party as you bring a bottle of probably Oregon wine, and probably a copy of The Sweet Spot by Heather Hayford because it sounds like, in addition to being a wonderful gift, also a great hostess gift. So click or visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information or just click on the link in the ad spot or in the show notes. We will make sure that we click to it. I'm pretty sure that I will be pouring myself a glass of wine this weekend and finding myself, uh, you know, a road into this book pretty excited about it mm-hmm. um and thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show yes thank you and look at that we learn things on this show too i know and that definitely wasn't me just buying time because a lot of the other things that we're talking about on the show are very complicated and difficult mm-hmm. and wine and books are very simple and easy and wonderful
1: oh uh, yes that was the simplest thing we're going to be talking about today i think yeah it's true east side west side boom
0: yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, yes, is there a complicated family situation in this book? Sure. But I'm pretty sure it's going to get resolved in about 300 pages. Whereas our first thing, I don't know when it's going to get resolved, Jess. I, I'm going to let you take it away. Good luck to you. I
1: don't know. Okay, so if you read Thursday's kissing books, you might have gotten a hint into this situation we have with what I would consider... Of favored beloved author. Sentino Hassel. If you didn't read Thursday's Kissing Books, I'll give you the rundown. Um, we've actually talked about something leading into this on When in Romance, and it was, you know, people are people have a right to their anonymity, and we don't have any right to their identity. And, you know, you remember, Trisha and I were both pretty adamant about that. But then, something came out on Twitter. It was a very detailed, very thorough, almost overly invasive, but all-public material Twitter moment tracing back the history of the person writing as Santino Hassel. And this is a non-swearing show, so you won't hear what a lot of people got to hear when I was reading through this and discovering all of the things that were coming through about the person writing as Santino Hassel.
0: That's a... a that's a real character-building aspect to the show, I think, Jess, the fact that this is a non-swearing show. So good for you. I'm doing my best. Let's just, yeah. mm-hmm. let's
1: just say uh, the Jane and the Virgin narrator voice was uh, having a good time. Sure. Every author has the right to keep their identity to themselves. If they're writing under a pseudonym, good for them. Never will you hear me say that I think that authors shouldn't use pseudonyms if they feel that that's what they want to do with their lives. However, the information put through in this Twitter moment investigated um, as of writing, as of doing this podcast, um, investigated by um, Riptide Publishing, potentially by the agent, because... It appears that Santino Hassel is no longer listed as a represented author on that agency's site. Um, and various other people, the person writing as Santino Hassel, presenting themselves in person and online as a bisexual male person, writing own voices, gay, bisexual um Romance is indeed neither male or potentially queer. So the biggest thing about this whole thing to me is the deception of presenting yourself as writing as a person who we want to hear from when you, in fact, are not that person.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest part of this, right? So what what seems to be coming out and it's, you know... Um, the this initial Twitter thread that kind of laid out really frame by frame and step by step, um, all of this uh, evidence. Which you know, Jess's point is a good one that it does seem invasive, and I think initially a lot of the publishers and um, the agency and some of the advocates that, uh. The, whoever the person of Santino Hassel had uh, thought was very invasive and too invasive and um, was maybe some doxing. It is very detailed. At the same time, uh, I don't believe there's anything in it that's not public. So it seems like everything in there is fair game. That, and it's dated the 22nd of February. Um, and nothing in it, on my initial reads of it, seems particularly unfair. So I think if you are misleading people about what you are doing or who you are, I think Jess and I are, are absolutely in agreement, and I think many of you probably are in agreement as well, that people absolutely have a right to their privacy. What you maybe do not have a right to is representing yourself as someone that you are not. And it seems as though um, the person who may have been writing the books published under the name Santino Hassel and published under, frankly, the identity Santino Hassel. Uh, maybe a, a woman who's married to someone who might be a man who represented in person the identity of Santino Hassel. It's, it's very complicated. Jess and I were talking before the show about how the theme of this podcast seems to be, this is very complicated. This is very and complicated. And we were, yeah When we were talking about it yesterday, everything kind of seemed up in the air, and a lot of this seemed like it was still pretty tentative, and we still don't know anything for sure. Um, we have not but, heard
1: anything from said author. I would imagine that
0: with the Riptide statement... That's, yeah, that's the thing that's happened within about the last hour or two.
1: Especially, I feel like... If I was an executive at Riptide and I said, tell me who you are in person, speak to me, look at my face, call me on the phone, Skype me, and I will support you. If that person was unable to do that, then I guess that's it.
0: Yeah, so the background on that is that um, Santino Hassel has been published by a couple of different publishers. Riptide Publishing, um, which my understanding is that Riptide, uh, I believe they publish exclusively queer fiction, if not exclusively queer romance. Right. Um, So they sent out a tweet, I believe earlier today sort of acknowledging that there was some controversy going on and indicating they had been spending their own time doing their own investigation And I mentioned earlier we're, we're recording this on March 8th. it's about 830 Eastern time. Um, and just within the last hour or two they put out a statement um, saying that they their the results of their uh, investigation were such that they were dropping um, every they were dropping Sentino as a as an author. Uh, they were going to, um, uh, all upcoming contracts have been canceled. All existing titles are being pulled from distribution. We will be issuing refunds for all pre-orders of Santino's title titles. Please be patient with us. This process may take a week. They also, um, issue a couple of different apologies in a couple of different ways, Mm -hmm. uh, related to, I think the folks who are doing this investigation. Um, I have not been... Engaged enough in this for long enough to really know kind of what was going on there, but Same. it seems like maybe um, they blocked some of the people who were posting about this on Twitter for a while. Um, they've offered um, five dollar credits to anyone who's purchased already released titles by Sentino House. It's it's a very very strong statement. It is. It's strong enough that it suggests that they probably have pretty solid evidence. And again, we don't know that for sure. Neither Justin nor I do. Nope. But it it's it's a very strong statement. So so we don't know. It seems very complicated. There's something going on here. Um and it's I mean it's unfortunate. It seems like no matter what else is true, people have been hurt in one way or another. Uh, the reactions have been very strong.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good word for it. Strong, strong reactions on both sides of whatever sides you can say between is this real, is this true or is this not true?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, maybe by the time this episode is released, all of this will have changed. We have no idea. We really don't. We really don't. But what this has made me realize As a reader and as a person who recommends things to people and sort of touts certain authors, a lot of you, if you've either read my stuff on Book Riot or if you subscribe to Kissing Books or if you listen to this podcast, you know one of my biggest things about supporting Santino Hassel as an author is the fact that it is a queer male author writing queer 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 male books. Um, and what it made me realize during all of this drama that's been happening over the past few days is how much I have not been supporting um, Andrew Gray and Alexis Hall, who have presented themselves in person. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe Alexis Hall is for squirrels on a keyboard. We don't know. We don't know. We don't Wait, know.
0: That's a lot of mystery.
1: Um, but Andrew Gray got the Century Award for publishing a hundred books, and I haven't read any of them. So maybe that'll be my project as sort of a semi-penance this year.
0: I mean, I think, you know, it's uh, any time that a situation like this can help introduce folks to new and other voices, I think that is the silver lining that we have. I think, you know, it's really hard because if, you know, one of the things that I was thinking as I was reading Some of all sides of this conversation that, again, I will fully admit I had not been familiar with until yesterday at around this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Twitter is not a forum, maybe all social media, but Twitter in particular is not a forum that leaves a lot of space uh, for grace Mm -hmm. in any sort of uh, avenue. And so I think a lot of folks have been hurt again, on all sides of this. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of room to try to process that and figure out how to handle it with any kind of grace or graciousness. And people may not need to, right? That's I'm not putting that responsibility on anyone who has been hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But to the extent that we can find any way to grow or improve or do better as a result of whatever is going on here, um, I think, yeah, finding you know, more own voices writers is, is a great opportunity to do that. So, um, yeah, maybe that's a a good challenge for, um, both of us just maybe on a podcast sometime a little ways down the line, we can report back and see who we have found, uh, that is a good, um, addition to everyone's library in terms of, of male, male fiction. Sounds good to me. Absolutely. Yeah. So. so yeah, I don't know. There's that yeah, like we said, there's a there's a lot there. It's very complicated. There, it does seem like there's a very good chance between today, which is the Thursday, and Monday when this podcast comes out, that more things will have developed and more things will have happened. Um, so uh, we will try to stick whatever we can in the show notes, but otherwise, um, if you're not already subscribed, uh, subscribe to Kissing Books. Uh, Jess's newsletter on romance. I'm sure she'll be doing some reporting next week. Uh, oh, gosh, yes. Uh, and um, we will we'll keep you posted as is um, appropriate. But in the meantime, um, that is a thing that is happening and is very complicated.
1: It is. And uh, the next thing that is, has happened and is also complicated that we hope will become less complicated in the future also has to do with own voices. It's Uh, true.
0: Oh, should we do another ad spot first? Do Let's hold on. Okay, great. Well, I think, let's do do some ad talks
1: before um, the the next topic because I'm going to be talking about
0: crying. Um, Oh, great, perfect. (laughs) I mean, not perfect in terms of your emotional state, just perfect in terms of the rhythm of the show. Ah, yes. You know? that's what that's you know it's It's we do we do this for the people jess
1: we do indeed we do indeed you get to hear about me talking about crying but first i did not cry when the ripped bodice report on racial diversity in romance for 2017 came out i wanted to but sadly i was not surprised that it didn't get any better
0: yeah, so this is um, the Ripped Bodice. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about them um, a couple of times, maybe like every episode so far in one way or another. Um, they, did a, they did their first report um, on diversity uh, in romance in 2016 books, came out in October of 2017. So they did their, 20, their bo- the report on books that came out in 2017, came out last Thursday, March 1st, uh, and it, it seems to be the case that, um, unfortunately, a lesser percentage of books that are being published um, in romance are being published by authors of color. And this uh, is
1: traditional publishing, um, big publishers, small publishers, romance publishers, not so much people who publish through Amazon or Sourcebooks or one of those. Not source books. They're real. Uh. Yeah, they're
0: real. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's traditional publishing as opposed to, yeah, Mm -hmm. self-publishing, which is a distinction that we can talk more about because I I do think that's a thing that matters a lot. Um, But... Yeah, they, and it's worth – so obviously we're going to link to the report. We linked to the 2016 report in the last show notes. We'll link to them again this time. It's worth reading their FAQs because I think they do a really good job of saying exactly what they are doing, acknowledging what they are not doing, mm-hmm. talking about where there may be some errors and where there may not be. Um, and then, you know, they do a really lovely job, and I, I use that term intentionally because their graphics and their um, – uh, Charts and everything are really done in a very visually appealing way, but they do a really nice job of just laying out a lot of very stark facts. Mm-hmm. The romance industry as a whole published more books in 2017 than it did in 2016, 5.5% more. Fewer of those titles were written by women of color. Um, what percentage of books? They, they looked at, at uh, I want to say it's about 20 different publishers, um, and then they took a look to see how many of them were publishing by percentage uh, more books or fewer books. So for every 100 books published by leading romance publishers in 2017, only 6.2% were written by people of color, which is down from 7.8% in 2016. And I think that's really the big take-home statistic. Um, Trisha can see me shaking my head. I just yeah. figured I'd throw it in there. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the big take home. Did you have other kind of major thoughts or takeaways on this, Jess?
1: It the major thing is the fact that it went down even though publishing went up, and you wonder what happened to those numbers. Like is it because of acquisitions in the previous couple of years? Is it is it just because they like for instance, Harlequin got rid of an entire series line that was dedicated strictly to works by Black women. So
0: one's well, not even gone yet. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Imagine what's going to happen when it's gone. And, and and you know they're trying
1: to show that they have started publishing like desire books um, featuring Black protagonists and that kind of thing, but it can't. I can't see it happening at the same rate that Kimani books are being published. I really can't. But, like, back to 2017, not looking towards the future, um, it was th- like one of those numbers that was really interesting to see was Avon's. Because, like, Avon is like the one that we keep thinking of. So I, I kept thinking as I was looking at this, like, so Avon has Beverly Jenkins, Tracy Livesay, Alicia Rye um Alyssa Cole this year but not last year. And like I kept thinking are they like the only people that they're publishing who are women of color? Mhm.
0: Yeah, it, and it's tricky, right? Because it's um we I you know the um it's uh B and Leah Coke uh, who who do this. We we've talked about them again before um they are behind the bodice. They do this work, and it's it's a lot of work, and so huge, huge credit to them for being mm-hmm. willing to do this. They they don't have to, right? And they do it anyway, um, just because they think it's important. Mm-hmm. But they this your study included nearly thirty eight hundred books, and so they do ask publishers. All they ask publishers to do is give them a list of the books they've published. They don't ask them for any. Um, you know, racially identifying information. They don't ask them for any. All they ask is for a list of books. And they still, of the 20 or so publishers, um, only got, it looks like, 11 of them. Only 11 of them were willing to submit even that list. So they had to go and get the rest themselves. They had to go and get the rest. And even with the ones that they did um, get, the actual books, they still had to do the rest of the work. So nothing that I say in terms of questions that I have, or or things that I'm wondering is in any way, um, you know, a criticism of the work that they've done, because they've already gone above and beyond. But they do, they have made the decision to only publish percentages, as opposed to numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say, like, when you're talking about Avon, we don't know of the whole pool, how many of these books are Avon books, and Mm -hmm. how many of these authors are Avon authors Mm -hmm. um we don't know you know Montlake is the is the Amazon um romance imprint and they I mean boy it seems like they do a lot of publishing of romance a lot of their stuff ends up on you know Kindle Unlimited and and wherever but again I don't know how that compares in terms of numbers I would guess that Harlequin is a huge part of this equation but you know they're not we don't we don't know for sure exactly who is where. So that's a little bit um yeah, and, that's a little bit interesting.
1: And on the reverse side like Crimson is awesome for the percentage that they've published. But we know that Crimson is not a large publisher. They don't publish nearly the number of books that some of the um the other imprints do. So, is that pretty high number still a low number of books or are they talking the talk and actually publishing like a pretty good number of books?
0: Yeah. And actually, I mean, credit where it's due huge. So they also, when, um, the, in the report, the numbers are reflected in terms again of percentages. So, so Crimson went from 12.2% of their titles to 29.3%, which is, More than doubling, well over doubling the number or the percentage of of books. Source books went from 2.9%, so fewer than 3%, to 11.6%. That's pretty good. So they, yeah, they nearly quadrupled, um, if they didn't quite quadruple, they nearly quadrupled the number. A percentage again—it's tricky. My, I um, like my, I didn't do great in my stats classes in grad school, but I, <laughs> I did take them, and so like this is—it's a little bit tricky for me to sort of my, my brain is, uh, trying to sort some of this out. And there are a number of publishers that publishers that are doing better, and it'll be interesting to see. I think Jess, you know, the um, last report came out in October of last year. Publishing schedules are such that, obviously, no one was going to be able to kind of turn as a result of, I shouldn't say obviously, my understanding of publishing is that probably by October of last year, most of the, well, the 2017 books were
1: definitely published. published.
0: So that was kind of done. I think what will be interesting is to start to see the 2018 and 2019 reports come out. Mm -hmm. Because I, these Reports have generated a lot of conversation, not just in romance publishing, but in publishing generally and Mm -hmm. in book conversations generally. And so I think it'll be really interesting to see if we start to see some of these numbers change more dramatically. I think it's possible that as a result of this study, we could start to see that.
1: That would be great. Um, And I hate to throw more work at um, the great people at the Ripped Bodice. But one thing that I always find myself wondering, especially when, when we start breaking down things written by women of color, is then how far do we go? Because we know that um, Black women are probably the largest group of people writing romance when it comes to women of color. So how can we increase the voices of the other women of color and indigenous women who are writing, because I want to read their stuff too, and I want to see where we are. That is it like ninety percent black women, and then the other ten percent is a combination of Latinx women, Asian American and Asian women, um, uh, indigenous women, other yeah. groups that I am blanking on. I'm sorry if you
0: were part of one of those groups. But yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. I think, yeah, again, with, they're already uh, going above and beyond, so it's 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 seems like it's unfair to ask them to do more. But if someone were interested in delving further into these numbers, that would be really interesting. Another thing I think that would be really interesting would be to start to make um, a distinction between the number of authors and the number of titles mm. so right now this is an analysis I believe of the number of titles mm-hmm. um, but I would be interested to know you know is it and I'm just picking one at random so this is a it's probably very unfair but is you know is source books um, publishing more titles by the same number or a similar number of authors or are they finding and recruiting
1: Multiple. more
0: authors Mm -hmm. you know um yeah that's definitely a question because if there's
1: one thing we've seen in romance is that you you can hardly contract an author without having them write like four books a year yeah so if that percentage of titles is all by the same author then how do we get better how do they get better yeah
0: yeah I don't know. Well, and I didn't look. I and I should have. I um, I wish I had. And now it's you know it's too late because here we are. Re- you know we hit we hit record a while back. Um, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't check to see I didn't see a big, if any response from publishers. Did you see any of the public either the ones who um you know increased their percentages or decreased? Um, I didn't see folks responding to the report. Did you? I did not.
1: I, you know, I didn't go looking at each individual publishers, Twitter no. for a few days after, but you know, when you're looking at the two days after the report was released and actually the, like the, pretty much the full week, because people were still talking about it a week later. Um, it was authors. It was readers. It was journalists who were talking about it. And even the authors who did better this year were not really talking about – or not authors, even the publishers didn't seem to be talking about it. But yeah, maybe I just don't follow enough individual – I don't know. That's, that's yeah, a really do, good question. I do
0: follow some publishers. If you're a publisher and you did um, respond to this or you have thoughts on it and, and want to let us know, we, we'd love to hear them because mm-hmm. I think that's – that's the thing about this right is that um again it's very complicated we get that but mm-hmm. I also think we have to have the conversation and I think everybody um you know it's hard it's a hard conversation to have sometimes but you know if you are a publisher who was able, who has been able over the course of years to increase the number of titles that you are publishing by authors of color how are you doing that and what have you done and what would what tips would you give to authors what what would you say Mm -hmm. um if folks have those thoughts and ideas i think that's really helpful critical information um because it is different and this is a thing you know we kind of alluded to at the beginning there's so much great work being done um by self-published writers and Mm -hmm. i think maybe maybe we're due to talk about that maybe next time we'll we'll have to talk about that but it's not the same it's not the same as having um the endorsement of a major publishing house. Some people have made the decision that they would rather self-publish or independently publish, but when it's not your decision, it's a little it's a little different, yeah. a little more complicated. You might
1: find you might find yourself with a wonderfully healthy number of readers who've just found you by word of mouth or through social media campaigns, but you definitely don't have the same kind of Backing and publicity, following and just support that you do when you write for a traditional publisher. Although, as we've seen, sometimes book like because those publishers only have so much in their kitty. Sometimes they're awesome books that just go straight under the radar with them as well because mm-hmm. they decide not to not to um, promote those the same way that they do some others.
0: Yeah. And I would say, I mean, the last thing that I think I really want to make sure that I say about this is, is it won't take you honestly, um, for most people, it will not take you more than five or maybe 10 minutes to read through everything that is in this report. It's, and there's very, concise. Really, it's very, very concise and the points really hit home, um, You know, they talk about the number of... They have 10 best-selling titles from their store um, in 2017. Six of those titles uh, were written by authors of of color. Um, They talk about, you know, just the excuses that they hear about why this is done this way. It's just... You know, you can go read it. It won't take that long, and it'll. They have said it in a way that is much more eloquent uh, and intelligent than I could regurgitate it for you. So, um, more than you know, anything else that we've encouraged you to click through and take a look at in the in the four episodes of this podcast, I would encourage you to just take a few minutes and take a look at this report. And it's pretty. It's really pretty. It's so pretty. And I, to be honest, too, I think even if you are only just starting to get interested in romance publishing, I think a lot of this information is probably true of a lot of other publishing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really very grateful to be um, having this conversation in romance. I think to the extent that other genres and other fiction and other nonfiction Mm -hmm. could be having it too, I think it would be to the benefit of everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And on that note,
0: now let's do now so, it's time our second now it's time up. and there has been no crying no i don't crying. think so far which is good so far okay we're so good. far
1: all right now thank you to the folks at penguin teen for sponsoring this podcast they um are publishing a 20th anniversary edition of if you come softly by jacqueline woodson oh gosh this book so I'm going to read you the synopsis, and then I'm going to talk about it, because I need to tell you about this book. A lyrical story of star-crossed love, perfect for readers of The Hate You Give, by National Ambassador for Children's Literature, Jacqueline Woodson. The woman is awesome. I'm telling you, she just keeps picking up accolades. Accolades, accolades, accolades. Um Jeremiah feels good inside his own skin. That uh, That is, when he's in his own Brooklyn neighborhood. But now he's going to be attending a fancy prep school in Manhattan, and black teenage boys don't exactly fit in there. So it's a surprise when he meets Ellie the first week of school. In one frozen moment, their eyes lock, and after that, they know they fit together, even though she's Jewish and white and he's black. Their world is so different, but to them, that's not what matters. Too bad the rest of the world has to get in their way. So that's the quick summary. Um, This book made me cry. It is one of the few that I will actually say I sat on my floor and cried for 45 minutes by the time I finished this book. I was emotional, I was done. I read it in like two hours and then spent half of the time that I had spent reading the book on the floor crying. That's how good this book was. It was visceral, it was heartfelt and it's 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 not not the most delightful book to finish but it's just so good um so like i said it's the 20th anniversary coming up and the new cover is just amazing like i own a copy of this book and i'm going to get another copy because of the new cover so if you haven't read the book delight in the artwork of the newest one. And if you eh, if you need to revisit it, I won't say that that's going to be a problem for you either. So yeah, thank you to If You Come Softly by Jacqueline Woodson, sponsored by Penguin Teen.
0: And now I'm the one like nodding at Jess in the <laughs> Skype video that nobody else can see. It's nice that we have this it's nice we have this connection. Jacqueline Wilson, by the way, who is the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just such an extraordinary and powerful and wonderful writer. And it's, you know, again, coming back to how complicated everything is, you might have spent all of that time crying, Jess, but not but maybe not in a, in a bad way, right? Like it's a maybe it's sort of a cathartic or good or moving or you know sometimes when books move you in that way it is a uh it is a move worth taking it is a move worth
1: taking i would never tell you not to read this book because you're going to cry i'm telling you to read this book
0: because you're going to try yep And that's a great endorsement, (laughs) I think, especially on this, the very complicated episode of When in Romance. Very complicated. Things are very very complicated. Did you ever know that episode four would be our very special episode of When in Romance, like 90s sitcom style? Who saw that happening? Our very special episode of When in Romance. (laughs) And
1: now, kids.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Oh, man. Oh, well, should we maybe do... Should we do something maybe, like, slightly less complicated? Although, actually, I think my, my recommendations might be complicated, but in a fun way, and instead of a, oh my gosh, what are we going to do, maybe I need to stay off social media for several days way. Fun complicated is nice. We like fun complicated. Okay, great. Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, maybe we should do some, should we do some recommendations? Totally. I love that. All right. Do you want to start? Sure. Or um, well, I can start. Whatever you want to do. I was. Uh, if we we could have we, we didn't flip any coins beforehand, so we didn't, so whatever you want to do. We didn't. Um, okay, so I am gonna. Uh,
1: what I've got this this week is kind of an inbox outbox style. Like I read this, I am reading this, I am reading this next kind of thing because I am mm-hmm. excited about all three of them. Um. So earlier this week, okay. If if you do in fact read kissing books, um. Uh, You might have caught the I'm going to be reading this book thing um, about a book with a cover with a bare chested Stetson wearing dude who didn't seem (laughs) to be a cowboy. Um, So I needed to read it because the whole. Wait, what? The whole theme of Kissing Books this week was I read a book that was really great, but the title had cowboy in it. And the cover had a bare-chested dude with a Stetson on. But the hero of the story grew up on a ranch, yes. Liked cowboy boots and Stetsons, yes. But was, in fact, a double PhD astrobiologist. So... Why we call him a cowboy just because he wears a hat? I don't know. It's so complicated. (laughs) Yes. It's so complicated. It's so complicated. So I, I wanted to find a couple other ones like that in my own collection because it was like, I know I have other books with... You know, bare-chested cowboy hat guys on So I want to read some of those too Because I'm interested and I'm curious And this particular one was called One in Waiting by Holly Trent Who is my new favorite new-to-me author Who has like a huge backlist That I gotta just go dive into Um, And this book is about baseball players But the cover has bare-chested Stetson-wearing dude on it um, Interesting. So the story is Emily um, left New Orleans and lived on a Texas ranch after she was 16 because she got pregnant, and um, her parents basically sent her away to get pregnant and have the baby away from prying eyes. Um, and the father of said child was 18 and she was 16 so she was afraid that he was going to go to jail for statutory rape because you know when you're a 16 year old that's you people tell you things and you believe them um so sure it's been it's been 17 years and she's back in new orleans for a family emergency that isn't really a family emergency and she meets him again in her family's hotel and he has a boyfriend Oh. The boyfriend is the one on the cover of the book with the cowboy hat because he grew up on a ranch too. So now we've figured out why there's a cowboy on the cover.
0: Okay. Um, I feel like I'm like I'm going to draw a diagram of this to sort of keep it all straight. So, because there's also now a child, right? Or like an, an almost adult, a 17-year-old all right, okay. Yes. Yeah, so so, this, is, this is a secret baby <laughs> cowboy... Nor- okay, all right. Like I said, I'm going to need a diagram. I'm yeah. going to work this out. So, you keep talking. I'm going to sort this out over here. So the boyfriends are on the same
1: minor league baseball team, thus the baseball, because this book is actually the second book in a series about the baseball team. So now it's just all kinds of complicated. Also, this book is like the 30th book in a multi-author book collection called Den of Sin, which is the hotel. So you want complicated, I can give you complicated. Um, But the thing is, Holly Trent, like I said, new favorite, new to me author whose backlist I want to go devour, really writes people really well. And there's all these different personalities and wants and desires. You've got two bisexual men. You've got one of them who's who wants to be hurt but doesn't really get it from his boyfriend. So he's like, hey, teach me BDSM. So there's all this stuff happening but it's actually pretty well done and not mind boggling. So like I said,
0: one in waiting, Holly Trent. So good, so good. All right. Okay. And, I'm still working on my diagram, but I think I'm getting there.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of little things to, to work out there. If you Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I just finished. And I had set aside A Hope Divided by Alyssa Cole, the mm-hmm. second book in the Loyal League series, um, when I realized that I was really behind on reading for some work stuff. Um, but I picked that up again last night and I was really into it and then I looked up and it was after midnight so I had to go to bed. Um, but I hope to be finished with that before the next time we chat. Nice.
0: Yeah. I feel like uh, the two things that we talk about on every episode of this show are Alyssa Cole and the Ripped Bodice. Yeah. Because actually one of my slate is also Alyssa Cole but that's fine. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so there's Here's that. And then, you know, maybe in the future, the book that I've been picking up and putting back down and picking up and putting back down and saying yes and saying no, which is Beverly Jenkins' Night Song, because I've been trying to get through her backlist and Mm -hmm. discovering more and more and more books that I haven't read. Um, And this one is... A lot different from the ones that I've been reading. It takes place in Kentucky. Um, it's still Reconstruction, but it's not like the Destiny Reconstruction books or the Old West
0: Reconstruction books. So I'm really interested. Um, but I have to get there. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's kind of an embarrassment of riches with her. Like, you do. You just keep finding more. She's been She's written a lot of books. She has. And she's yeah. not stopping. Yeah. Which is great. It's great. That works out great for us. mm mm-hmm. Um So I did mine uh, inbox outbox style also. Uh, although like I said, when I get to my inbox when my, my next pick is is a little complicated, so I'll get to that in a minute. But my book that I, I finished recently, um, I'm hesitant to talk about because I never, ever, ever read a book this far in advance before it comes out. <laughs> but I did. Uh, I read the Kiss Quotient by Helen Wong. Um, which is so good, and I love it so much. And I talked about it in the best books um, that we read in February thing for for Book Riot. Um, it's just so good. It's just like delightful. It's uh, I probably actually should tell you something more about it than that. So the um, heroine Stella is one of my v- absolute favorite new romance heroines. She has Asperger's, and but she is very. Um, task oriented. So so she's trying to she has Asperger's, she knows that about herself. So she decides that she's going to kind of overcome the challenges that that adds into her relationship life. Mm-hmm. So she decides to get a professional escort to help her overcome some of her ph- physical intimacy issues related to that challenge. Mm-hmm. I like um, it already. It's so good and Michael who is the uh, escort that she hires is so lovely and sweet that he first of all he's very confused about why she is hiring an escort and then he's like so I anyway he's lovely and wonderful and you will read the book and completely fall in love with him but the thing that I and I wrote about this for book riot but the thing that I love so much about this book is I think One of the, I think the really the best romance doesn't just show you the way that all kinds of different people can have happy endings, but it does it in a way that the things about those people that might make them different are not the sum total of who they are, Mm -hmm. right? Stella is so, so relatable in so many ways. Whether you have Asperger's or don't have Asperger's, whether you are a mathematician as she is, and that's not even what she is. She's like an econometician or something. I can't even remember <laughs> exactly what she is. I feel like I'm doing her a disservice by not getting it right. But she's so great at her job. But she's she has a really awkward encounter with Michael's family the first time. And the reason that she has it probably is related to the fact that she's on um, the autism spectrum But we've all had really awkward encounters with people's family. Like, you get Mm -hmm. that. And so it's just a really... um, I've decided that one of my favorite... uh, I don't even know if you'd call it a trope, but one of my favorite themes in romance is two people who genuinely are trying really hard Mm -hmm. and still not quite getting. Because there are so many things where people are like, no, I don't love you. Or like, no, I'm a bad boy and blah, blah, blah. These are two people that know what they want and are trying really hard to get there and just can't quite get there until they do. Oh, that's and so, great. Anyway, this book is lovely. Everyone should read it. I what, what I've decided is that like one of my favorite things to do is to pre-order a book for myself because then I forget about it and then it just shows up uh. on my Kindle or in my mailbox or wherever. So just pre-order this book for yourself. It will just show up and you will be delighted. So that's my book that I just finished. My book that I am reading now might not technically be a romance. I think they're talking about it more as women's fiction, which is a term that I hate, but I understand why it's necessary. I will call (laughs) it contemporary fiction, although it has a heavily romantic element. It's by Christina Lauren, and it's called Love and Other Words. Um, It's about two – it's a man and a woman who, as kids, met – um, at the girls, she was a girl at the time, at her sort of getaway house. Her, her mother died, and so her dad, as sort of a way to support her in her grief, um, gets this kind of, like, getaway mm-hmm. vacation house. And she meets the boy next door because he's, like, creepily reading in her house <laughs> when they move in, which is kind of weird. But they hit it off, and it's great. And so it goes, the book goes back and forth in time. Uh, and so you see... Kind of their relationship building for them as kids but then as adults something happened when they were both right around 18 and you don't know what it was and they completely went their separate directions and haven't spoken in 10 years and then they run into each other randomly one day and they're trying to figure out if they should rebuild the relationship or not so it's jumping back and forth there are parts of it that are um like epistolary like written in letters or emails Mm -hmm. and because they don't spend all their time together so it's it's there are like short chapters and short snippets and you're getting little pieces at a time it's like trying to like grab little clues out of the air and put together all that happened um and one of the things that christina lauren like is or are it's two authors named christina and lauren who write together so i'm gonna say (laughs) christina lauren are really good at (laughs) is like they make you feel it like they kind of hit you hard Um, when it comes to all the emotions, like it's, it's very angsty, but you know, they're going to get there, but it's, uh, it's a tough road. Uh, Uh. I don't know. It's very angsty. So anyway, I like that book a lot. I'm reading it now, but I'm very stressed out because, oh, sorry. Again, it's called Love in Other Words, Christina Lauren. Um, I think it's also not quite out yet, but it's close. It comes out April. So, um, again, you could pre-order it or by the time you're hearing this, it's practically going to be out. So you're very close. Here's the thing, Jess. Very soon, I'm going to finish this book, and then I have to decide what to read next. Oh, no. Okay, so just this week, the last book in Penny Reed's Knitting in the City series came out. It's called mm-hmm. Marriage of Inconvenience, and I am both very excited to read it and also dreading reading it. Oh, Because no. it's the last book in the series. Have you ever had that, where you, like, want to read the book, but you also are not sure that you're ready for the series to be over? Totally. And you're pretty sure that you're going to have, like, the book hangover? So I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should read that and, like, suffer the book hangover, or if I should read Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole, which I'm also very, very excited about, and which is the first book in a series, so I don't have to worry so much.
1: Oh, that's tough. You know what? Well, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that I'm going to say read the Alyssa Cole. Um, Right. But... The reason I say that is because you could read that. And while we're still basking in the glory that is Black Panther, hear certain people's voices in your head. If you've seen Black Panther. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I saw I saw Black Panther between reading A Princess in Theory. Like I started it and then went to the movies and then finished it afterwards. So I've I've got my my, uh, my people set, like they're, they're, they're never going to change. But if you do that, then you've got a little more time and you can read the last um, Knitting in the City book closer to the time that the next Winston Brother book comes out so that you still have access to that world even though it's not technically the same series.
0: So that's a good point. So um, the uh, Penny Reed has also written the Winston Brothers series, which is spun off of the Knitting in the City series. And the Knitting in the, series, the City series is a um, group of women who are in the same knitting club in Chicago. And um, it's actually, I was thinking about it. I think because those books are written fairly slowly, they've come out about one a year for the last several years. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the first series that I actually kind of Fell into and have followed since the beginning of when I've been reading romance because I came to it so much later than you did. Mm -hmm. Um, But luckily, I do have the Winston Brothers series to kind of help transition me into, you know a world without new knitting in the series city se- <laughs> boy this is i mean you know it's complicated Con- pronouncing things is hard it i don't is. know what i'm going to do but i am very very excited about both of those books um and so again it's kind of an embarrassment of riches to just have so many things to be excited about well, um, i mean Kat- that's romance isn't
1: it yeah, embarrassment seriously. of
0: riches yeah so cat and dan await me um princess in theory by Alyssa cole awaits me um the last of the uh alicia rye series is coming out i've already pre-ordered that at the end of the month so i don't know pretty jazzed about all of my many options for march
1: march 27th is like the day of glory if you look at the release list because i'll have to look i mean there's there's um now i've forgotten which one it is what is it hate to love you Hurts to Love You. Uh, hurts to Love hurts You. To I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by
0: Alicia Rye. I'm mm-hmm. going to just
1: like make that hate and wrong to love you, need you, wh- want you. Um, mm-hmm. th- yeah. There's that. And then there's like 10 other books that I want to read coming out that day. I need to take my own spring break in April. Like, well, hey. Just take you know. April off and read. I can't do I think, that, by the way.
0: <laughs> I think our next podcast might come out like the day before that. So maybe we'll have to do a little previewing for folks. Ooh. Yeah. See what that is? That's a teaser. And I think that brings us to the end. It does indeed. Uh, Or almost the end. We have a a little bit of social media um, of traffic to do. But otherwise, I think we're getting close. We're getting towards the end uh, of this episode of When in Romance. But you can find us. You can find us and let us know what thoughts you have uh, about our our various topics of conversation. If you have feelings about um, what it's like to end a series and suffer a terrible book hangover or any remedies for that, please let me know. (laughs) Um, You can find me on Twitter at Trisha underscore Reads. Oh, here's another topic for another time. I feel like there might be someone who has just Trisha Reads that might be a bot that started right after I started. Whatever. Again, we'll talk about that another time. My friend was like trying to follow me on Twitter and she was like, oh, are you this? I was like, no. I'm pretty sure this is not a real account. Oh, no. But anyway, Trisha underscore Reads is a real account. That's mine. Awesome. Where are you on Twitter, Jess? I am Jess. Jess is reading all one words, no underscores reading Unlike your unlike your Instagram
1: account, right? Which is Jess underscore is underscore reading because somebody took it from me before <laughs> I got there.
0: <laughs> and I am at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram. Do you know what else is on Instagram right now, Jess? What, Trisha? A $500 Penguin Clothbound Classics giveaway. It is over at the Book Riot Instagram account. So if you go over to the Book Riot Instagram account, which is just at Book Riot, you can go to Instagram.com forward slash Book Riot to enter. And we are giving away $500 worth of Penguin Clothbound Classics. So pretty. Uh, Yeah, right? Including favorites from Dickens, George Elliott, Mary Shelley, Tolstoy. And it's only open until March 13th. So hopefully you're listening to this podcast in a timely manner because I think it comes out the 12th. So go on today or go on tomorrow. Get yourself entered. It's $500 worth of free books. So I don't know why you would not do that. Right? Yeah.
1: Everybody wants that. Right? Yeah. And if you don't enter and then give it to us.
0: Yeah, I feel like this, well, yeah, that's actually, no, give it to Jess, because I was thinking this is the one time that the fact that we are not eligible for these giveaways is good for me because I'm trying to <laughs> give away things. I can't be <laughs> obtaining more $500 worth of the books. I'm already trying to decide what to read next. I'm in trouble already. Oh, it's such a uh, trouble thing. Seriously, an embarrassment of riches across the board. Across the board. A complicated embarrassment of riches. That is what we are today here on When in Romance. Here on
1: When in Romance. <laughs> And on that glorious note, thank you so
0: much for listening, and happy, happy reading. Happiest of reading, everybody, and happy International Women's Day. I hope you had a wonderful day, even though it's been a few days now.
1: So long. (laughs) So long.